to the American Meteorological Society's podcast series on careers in the atmospheric and related sciences. I'm Kelly Savoy, and I'm here with Jason Emanuel, and we'll be your hosts. Our podcast series will give you the opportunity to step into the shoes of an expert working in weather, water, and climate sciences. We're excited to introduce today's guest, Ronell Williams, a broadcast meteorologist at KSNW-TV in Wichita, Kansas. Welcome, Ronell. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks. Glad to uh, glad to be here. This is the first podcast I've ever done. <laughs> nice. Ooh, exciting. <laughs> Ronell, could you tell us a little bit about your educational background and what sparked your interest in meteorology? Well, yeah, as far as uh, the the interest sparked, because that, of course, that happened before a lot of the, the education. So it was, uh, how old was I? I think I was about four or five years old and maybe six, but uh, one of my uh, my members uh, at the church that I was going to in Rochester, New York, I remember he he gave me some VHS tapes, like the the old storm chasing tapes, and I still have them. And that it just went from there. You know, see, seeing tornadoes at that age, it was like that. I knew that that was what I wanted to do was either chase them or have something to do with tornadoes. You know, just at that at that point in my life and before that um i was big into star wars so before i kind of got into meteorology it was like astronomy and constellations and the planets and every single day even after school i was in the library i was just reading my mom can <laughs> can vouch for me um but yeah just reading as much as i could learning as much as i could and once i really started getting into meteorology and getting away from the all the astronomy stuff. Um, that's when, uh, when I was in high school where I decided like, you know what, I, I really want to, I want to major in this. Now, unfortunately my, my math and my science, I did get my, my regents diploma, which is where, uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure this was a long time ago. So I'm trying to remember, but I basically I had to take some extra math classes to get like my regents high school diploma versus my, just high school diploma, but my math and my science skills, they still weren't up there. So I went to a, like a, uh, like a two-year college. They had like four-year programs, but they didn't have any meteorology or atmospheric science programs. So, but I used that two years to kind of build up my math Mm -hmm. and science. And then I got into a SUNY program in New York state. I graduated from SUNY Oswego with a bachelor's in meteorology and it, Took me a little while after that to find my first job, but um, I know we'll get to that in a moment. But that that kind of I'll, I'll just leave it there as far as my education and the uh, the interest that was sparked. And if I could say one more thing regarding that, I feel like all of us uh, in in the field of of meteorology and atmospheric sciences, we've all had that interest, you know, within us. It's just a you know a matter of time before it comes out. Yeah, definitely. So you mentioned your first job. Could you tell us a little bit about it and how you ended up where you are now? Yeah, it's, first it started with uh, Walmart, and I, I give Walmart a lot of credit because I mean that's that's where I got my mm-hmm. paycheck from, and just my experience with the real world before I actually officially, you know, professionally got into the meteorology field. And I, I was trying to get into uh, the the private sector. Um, A lot of doors just weren't opening. And I spent probably about six years at Walmart just applying for jobs all the time. And this was after I graduated. So once I uh, got my first or just before I got my first job, 
um, my brother, my older brother, he's been in radio and television since I can remember. And during around that time, he was working at a TV station in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And when I was visiting him one time, he took me to the station that he was at. He's not talent, by the way. He's he um, directs and produces. Mm -hmm. But he uh, introduced me to the morning meteorologist and maybe seconds after meeting the guy, he kind of stopped me and he said, Hey man, you know, I'm in, uh, I keep backtracking. I'm sorry, but I originally, I didn't want to get into the TV side of things, but he, he stopped me and he was like, he said, Hey man, uh, I know you said you don't want to do TV, but you have a great voice. Mm -hmm. You have a great presence. You're not ugly. <laughs> <laughs> That helps. <laughs> yeah. And this is this is what you need to be doing. Uh -huh. And he kind of gave me a list of things to do. Right after talking to him, I signed up to do some volunteer forecasting with an organization called Foots Forecast. Mm -hmm. And I just contacted every and anyone I could to help me get some kind of reel put together. And while I was working at Walmart, uh, one of my coworkers, he's he's big into like photography. And to this day, I still don't know how we did it. I mm -hmm. still have the video, but I did a quick forecast using a white blanket sheet. Somehow he got like graphics behind me. Wow. And that, that was enough to get the attention of one of the local TV stations in Rochester, New York. <laughs> That's cool that you were able to just pull that off. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's been a long journey, you know, a long, humbling journey. Mm -hmm. So once, once I did all that and got his attention, they helped me make a reel. And that's what helped me get to St. Joseph, Missouri. And that was back in April of 2014. I spent a little bit over two years there. And then I went to Kansas City, Missouri. Um, and a lot of people still to this day, they always tell me, oh, you know, that was such a, a huge market jump. But I mean, I still don't I still don't look at it that way, because like during that time, I didn't really see my potential, you know, <laughs> you, you, where you don't really see or recognize what everybody else is telling you about yourself. You're just kind of doing your job and just trying to do the best you can. Right. And that's all I was doing. So I spent two years in Kansas City. I went there in June. Yeah, it was June of. 2016. And then I left KC in June of 2018. So last year, and now I'm in Wichita, Kansas. And one of the reasons why I'm here is because one of my old co-workers who I worked with in Kansas City, uh, one of the meteorologists, she is now the chief here at my current station. So she kind of played a big part in, in getting me over here. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. So you, you said that you didn't initially want to be a broadcast meteorologist. So um, what did you envision yourself doing? Like what was like when you graduated, what was your goal? Like what did you see yourself doing? I knew I just wanted to do something sitting behind a computer and forecasting. I didn't want to be in front of any kind of camera or mm -hmm. microphone. But I know even nowadays, the NWS meteorologists, they, you know, that now that we have like Twitter and Facebook and stuff, I had a few of them tell me like they, you know, they have to be a little bit more social than back in the day. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned that, um, what was it that you said you signed up for to, to help with, to get a reel together? Um, well, it wasn't so much to get the uh, reel together. It was to get like the, the forecasting experience. I'm sorry, I didn't mention that, but it, it's an organization called Foots Forecast. Okay. Mm -hmm. And they have 
forecasters all around the country. I'm not sure if they have any forecasters outside of the country, but I'm pretty sure it's all nonprofit. I wasn't paid or anything, but they're a, a legit organization. And that helped me basically have something to put on my resume to say, hey, I forecasted for this organization for so long, you know, even though I wasn't getting paid for it. Right. And my responsibility with them was because I was the only one in Western New York, I had my own Facebook page and I had to update that page every single day. And being in the Northeast, I'm, I'm sure y'all know, you know, with Lake Effect Snow, especially in upstate New York, I mean, I was updating that thing constantly. And then I was still working at Walmart at the same time. So that was a, that was a busy time for me. I think I started doing that in August of 2013. And then I did that all the way up until I got my first job in April of 2014. Man, yeah, it just feels like a lot of hard work, you know, to get to where you are now. Yeah, yeah, that's why I said it was, you know, it was just a, a humbling experience. Mm -hmm. And now that I think of it, I think I didn't want to get into into the broadcast side of things because unfortunately when I was in college, when I was at SUNY Oswego, there was a broadcast class that I wanted to take just to at least kind of get my feet wet mm -hmm. since I didn't have any experience with it other than watching local Mets on TV. Right. But the gentleman who was heading up the class, he, and I, I think he's still in Syracuse, but he was a Syracuse uh, meteorologist and pretty much it was up to him whether or not he wanted to do the class or not, because it was usually during uh, the winter time. Mm -hmm. And with the snow, if he was only going to be teaching like five or six of us, he had the chance to kind of decline where he wasn't going to be driving back and forth. And that's what happened the that one time during my college career where I was able to take it, but couldn't because he didn't he didn't want to teach it because mm -hmm. he didn't have enough students and he felt that it wasn't worth it. Right. Yeah. So otherwise, as you were like trying to pave your own career path. Did you have any other mentors that provided you with guidance? Yeah, my uh, my my college counselor, uh, who is also one of the meteorology professors, I'm sure it's like that in most of the programs. Mm -hmm. His name is uh, Dr. Steven Scubis, and he's just an, just an all around nice guy, very down to earth. His office door is always open. You know, I'm you know, whether whether it's synoptic or, or dynamics that you have questions about, it was like he he just was enthusiastic about that stuff. So it was like you weren't going to get some kind of boring explanation. You were going to get, OK, well, look at this equation. And this goes here. And what, what does that do? And, you know, he, he's just very enthusiastic yeah. and just with his with him always having an ear and always having his door open that that really helped me kind of get through things mm -hmm. but it, it it was it was just nice to to have that relationship with someone you know at his level and then meteorology atmospheric science programs i mean i feel like they're pretty small compared to other programs anyway mm -hmm. so we you know as mets i feel like we automatically kind of have that relationship with our professors whether it's one of them two of them three of them all of them you're you're, you're gonna forge a relationship with, right. with someone you know once you get to that third and fourth year of college. So now um, that you have a career as a broadcast meteorologist, looking back, what what other courses and skills beyond the required math and science do you think would um, be most helpful to individuals wanting to get into that field? Do you mind if I take a little detour, nope. like nope. a little fork in the road? Because uh, of course, college, you know, you, you can't put a price on that or or you can. I mean, my student loans. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I, I was about to say, uh, believe it or not, Walmart, those six years that I was at Walmart taught me a lot because, you, you, you know, you got to you got to have thick skin. Like you at the end of the day, you're in front of a camera. Uh, you have a voice. You're a public figure mm-hmm. and not everybody's going to like you. And Walmart kind of helped me realize that over the years I was there, because, I mean, I took a lot of a lot of stuff while I was there. You know, yeah. somebody tries to return a TV that's obviously two years old and you got to tell them no. Mm-hmm. They're going to have some things to say. To you <laughs> they, want, you know, they want a new TV. Yeah. So just just um, kind of taking that and then bringing it here, even when I was in Kansas City, that that really helped me kind of keep my composure and keep my stature and not really, you know, whenever something happened, it, it didn't really knock me off my feet that much. Right. Yeah, I genuinely think everyone should have to work retail at some point. Yeah, <laughs> I think we probably all have at one point. Yeah. And it is tough. <laughs> oh, um, I, I just remember something. Do you, do you mind if we backtrack just for a quick moment? I'll go nope. for it. Okay. Yeah. I, ju- I just wanted to uh, give a shout out because, you know, word spreads. And one of my other mentors who I still keep in touch with, his name is Mike Brasiano, and he's the the chief meteorologist in St. Joseph, Missouri. So at my very first job, and I still kind of keep in touch with him and I can call him, text him, you know, about anything mm-hmm. uh, regarding, you know, moves to make, stuff like that. Um, just uh, situations at work that I've never like been through, like, Hey, how should I go about doing this? He's, he's always, he's always been there too. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'm sure even once he gets out of the business, I'm sure he'll, he'll continue to be there for me. Yeah. It's great to have a resource like that. I feel like. Yeah. So over the course of your career, what's the most exciting thing that's happened so far? It's gotta be, uh, being out in the field. I'm doing mornings right now, weekday mornings in Wichita. So I don't get to go out as much Mm -hmm. as my last job when I was in Kansas city, but that's, that's definitely something that just kind of stands out. And I say that because all those years when I was working at Walmart, when I really started to get into Facebook and get into Twitter and following like the weather channel and CNN weather and, uh, different meteorologists, um, I would, during severe weather season, I would always like look at these, these different pictures and photos of shelf clouds and mesocyclones and tornadoes and, uh, uh Mamatis clouds. And now with me kind of sticking around in this part of the country, not really moving all that much outside of the Midwest slash plains, it's, it's kind of cool because now I'm able to take those pictures myself and share them. Mm. And I, I feel like there's somebody out there who I'm kind of impacting, maybe not somebody in college, maybe even somebody younger um, that might be looking at the pictures that I share, even from some of our viewers. And maybe they're thinking to themselves, like, man, I want to get into that. And I want to go out there and, you know, just be where the action is. Yeah. So I always thought that was kind of cool. Could you could you walk our listeners through a typical day on the job and let us know what it's like to work as a broadcast meteorologist? Yeah, well, it's kind of hard to um, get into the normal nine to five. So I wake up at midnight. That's when my day starts, mainly because I I do the weekday mornings. Now, if I was mid shift, then you'd work maybe a nine to six. But if there's severe weather, you might stay a little bit later. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, chief, that's more the two to eleven kind of range. But with me uh, starting my day at midnight and then sometimes I have to do our noon show, that does make for a long day. 
So you got you got to be ready for for those extra hours, especially during that active weather. If there's shower storms around snow, if you're expecting severe weather um, and also because our DMA is so large. So there's a there's a lot of people that we serve. We cover almost the entire state of Kansas, nearly the only parts of Kansas that we don't cover eastern and northeastern Kansas. Other than that, everything else is us. And we also cover some Nebraska and Oklahoma counties. So um, starting at midnight and then as soon as I wake up, get on the computer, start forecasting a little bit, eat something, maybe a little bowl of cereal, cold cereal, bowl of oatmeal. Mm -hmm. And then I leave, get ready to go. I'm usually at work by about 1.30 in the morning and we start at 4.30. So everything that I do, just my my list of duties where we have to do radio, I do more forecasting, um, all of that takes up that three hours. And also because uh, we have four zones that we cover because we have such a large DMA. Um, and therefore we have four seven day forecasts. So that's why the forecasting kind of takes a, a, a big chunk of at least my time. I know other markets, they might have, they usually have one seven day forecast, maybe two, maybe three. And then I do know some, including us have four. So and do you do social media as well? Is that required? I'm assuming. Oh yeah, yeah. That's yeah. That 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 kind of just gets thrown under that umbrella. Social media, updating our website, mm-hmm. and it's when it comes to social media, you know, it's it's not just posting all the time. It's it, you you got to show that personal side, um, and therefore you have to kind of watch what you post. I feel like I've got a healthy equation for Facebook. Honestly, I just signed up for Instagram. And I'm still kind of figuring that out. And then Twitter, I feel like I have a, a healthy kind of regiment for that too. Um, but after after those three hours where I'm kind of getting graphics together too, fixing our graphics and doing all that, um, our show goes from 4.30 to 7. And then literally right after that, I have to do a live radio interview. And right after that, we start our Today Show cut-ins. We're an NBC affiliate. Wow, okay. Yeah, so Al Roker usually tosses to me. Whenever he gets into his little jokes, I try to follow up with something, but <laughs> it's kind of tough. It's tough. <laughs> uh, but those those last two hours, so I do that from 7 to 9, and between 9 and 9.30, that's usually my chance to kind of grab a quick bite to eat because right at 9.30, we have our morning editorial meeting where I have to kind of give a weather update for the day. And for some of the reporters that are, they might be live, I have to let them know if the winds are gonna be very strong, if we're expecting storms because of lightning and they're gonna be outside trying to do these live shots. So that's, that's important, that's required every single day. And right now I might have another bite to eat between, you know, between about 9.45 and by the time our noon show starts, but I have to do more radio. Um, and we also do forecasts for uh, Wichita State University. Uh, we were doing forecasts for our hockey team here, the baseball team. So there's different things throughout the year that kind of throw extra things on our plate mm-hmm. in, in our normal routine. And then our noon show, that's, that's about a half an hour. But again, if there's weather, our chief, you know, they they don't come in at, you know, 1230 in the afternoon. They, they probably won't come in until 145, two o'clock. So you might be here a little bit longer. So that's why I said between midnight and then sometimes you're staying past 
1230 in the afternoon, those can make for some long days. Yeah, that is a long day. And do you do school visits? Um, Yeah. So how does that fit in? Like you get time off like during your normal work hours to do that and do the meteorologist switch off? Well, you just have to try to fit it into your schedule as best you can. And unfortunately, and a lot of people around here know this, and they're really cool when it comes to us saying no, because especially during severe weather season, it's like if there's a likelihood of tornadoes and, you know, baseball size hail, it's like they they understand if you're like, hey, you know, I'll be off work during that time, but I still need to be available. I, I can't come. Right. So this time of year where things are a little bit more on the quiet side, you know, we're just looking forward to kind of getting the first snowflakes of the season. This is this is when we we do start to get that increase in, in school visits because they know that come February, March, it's, it's going to be tough to get to get a meteorologist in, into the classroom. And it's not just uh, school visits. It's emceeing different events, mm. um, doing things like, you know, what I'm doing right now with this podcast. I'm sure this won't be my last one, even though it's the first. Right. So but it, it's it's just a matter of uh, time management, just trying to trying to fit things mm. in because you want to be there for your community. Yeah, definitely. You know, even though it's a, it's a lot, it's just it's that it's one more thing that's stacked up on your plate at the end of the day even though some of those days are long, like what we were just talking about uh, at the end of the day, it's that passion that I was talking about that um, that kind of gets us through those long days. Uh-huh. And that's why I always tell people, you know, if, if you do want to get into this um, broadcast meteorology in particular, you know, just be, you know, just be ready. Right. Um, Cause unfortunately, you know, we, we've, we've heard some things where, you know, these kids getting right out of school, you know, they get overwhelmed. And then, you know, it's, it's like some, you know, something ends up happening, something bad happens and they might not know how to take it. So, mm-hmm. you know, just, just, just be ready for, for all of that is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, definitely. So what do you like most about your job? Is it just the variety or getting to do something you're passionate about every day? Yeah, definitely. The the passion has a lot to do with it just because at the end of the day, it's something that I've, you know, I've wanted to do since I was a kid. Now, I don't know how long I'm going to be waking up at midnight for. I don't, <laughs> I don't have any kids yet. I'm not married. So, you know, I'm going to do this as long as I can. I'm talking about the weekday morning shift. But, mm-hmm. you know, either way, we'll see what happens. And um, I say that because I, I didn't think I'd be doing this or at least be this far into broadcast meteorology in the first place. So we'll see what happens, but, um, kind of going back to one of your previous questions, the way you asked what, like, what's my, my favorite part, it's gotta be going out into the field and just seeing everything that you've learned about in textbooks, um, just with the naked eye, just, Mm -hmm. you know, up, up front personal and also being able to kind of diagnose things every now and again, you know, a lot of us, we've, we've gotten those emails or those Facebook messages. What kind of cloud is this? Why, why is this happening? Uh-huh. And it just it just feels good being able to to be there for people and provide answers to their questions. Yeah. So going out in the, into the field and just just being being that person that's kind of uh, looked to in in that in that um, in that standpoint when it comes mm-hmm. to people wondering what's going on out there. Yeah, you had mentioned at the very beginning that you had gotten those tapes of tornadoes and storm chasers. Have you ever seen 
any storms or tornadoes up close? No, no, no tornadoes, at least mm-hmm. not over land. I, I have seen a few water spouts when I was younger on Lake Ontario. Oh, cool. I think I was about 13, maybe 14 years old. And but yeah, other than that, no tornadoes. But uh, I, I've seen some pretty crazy shelf clouds, uh, mm-hmm. modest clouds. Um, what else? Uh, hail. I actually saw had to have been ping pong ball size. Oh, man. Hail. I saw, yeah, I saw hail that big for the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was uh, a couple of months ago, maybe two, three months ago. And that that was pretty crazy because they sent they sent me out in our new uh, weather vehicle mm-hmm. uh, because uh, that was actually my my first time. And it was it was a pretty crazy day because I had the complete opposite schedule. But outside of our chief, I'm the only one who had been in a vehicle like that before. So they wanted me to be the first. They wanted me to be the guinea pig, basically. <laughs> Everything was great, and I know not to not to punch hail cores, but it just so happened that one of the cells that we were kind of following, uh, we did get just a little bit too deep into it, and where mm-hmm. we were, it literally just kind of flared up and intensified, Man. and that's where we got that ping pong ball size hail. And I was getting a little nervous, like it was it was making <laughs> some noise. Yeah. I don't think we had a whole lot of I don't think we had a whole lot of dents on the vehicle, and mm-hmm. I'm trying to talk a little bit lower because our general manager is in the building and sometimes he walks past, but we were, we were okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this just might be an elementary question, but is hail more common in the Midwest? Cause I feel like I haven't really experienced it over here. I feel like it is. And it, it's outside of the, the meteorological standpoint, just from the viewers that I've interacted with where a lot of people around here, they've lived here for a long time to the point where you know they ignore tornado warnings if there's a, oh, man. a storm a, a severe thunderstorm warning that's warned for uh like baseball softball sized hail they usually make sure they have their cars inside if they can get them inside somewhere well beforehand so it's like they're just kind of used to it around here but mm-hmm. so many warnings almost every day for for hail during severe yeah, weather okay. season, you know, between like March and June and even outside mm-hmm. of that, when we get those, you know, those clockwork kind of summertime convective storms. I mean, once some of those, some of those get going, you're it's it's like the 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 60 mile per hour gust quarter size hail. That's all. That's almost automatic. Right. Yeah. And versus where I'm originally from, Rochester, New York. I mean, I saw hail for the first time when I was in my middle 20s and it was only pea size. And I was just ecstatic. <laughs> so it took me that long to, to see hail up there. So, yeah, there's there's definitely a contrast. So is the most challenging thing about your job the um, the waking up at midnight or are there or is there something else that you find the most challenging? Me personally, I, I get into a like a routine. So when I go to bed at five o'clock because I do it every day, like 5 p.m., I just like my body just knows like, okay, it's time to go to sleep now. Going to bed at that hour, of course, you're not going to sleep the whole way through because that's just not natural to go to bed at that time. But at the same time, I always make sure I get enough sleep. But it, it is rough sometimes. I uh, I had a two week vacation that I got back from last week before I went on another brief trip. And that day, oh, man, I don't think I slept at all the night before. I just couldn't because mm-hmm. I had been gone for so long. And then to like put your body back into that shock, 
I was I was exhausted. <laughs> I was I was a walking zombie. But yeah, definitely. That's that's just hey, that's just part of the job, you know. Yeah, I was thinking the work life balance would be pretty tough. Like you know, for your social life, you're like, oh, sorry guys, I gotta go to bed. <laughs> it's five o'clock, you know. Um, but I'm sure you just yeah, you know, it's your job and you, you do what you have to do. And yeah, and there's a ma- there's a way to make it work. And now that I'm doing weekday mornings, I have weekends off now, so that that helps. So oh, that's oh, nice. nice. Yeah. yeah. So come come Friday, you know, I'm off earlier than everybody else. Even though I have to go to bed early on Sundays, it's still it's like a trade off, mm-hmm. you know. So you you just gotta have to work with uh, what you've got. And even in my past jobs, while I was in Kansas City, St. Joseph, Missouri, and when I was working at, at Walmart. I had those weird days off. I had like Monday, Tuesday off or like Wednesday, Thursday. And even that wasn't all that bad because I was able to get stuff like grocery shopping done because it seems like everybody grocery shops on the weekends. Oh, I know. Mm -hmm. Like Sunday. Yeah, exactly. So I was able to get all that stuff done with with a breeze. And then if I had to do laundry, my first couple of apartments, I, I lived in places that didn't have like that kind of utility, like inside the apartment. So I would like have to go to the, the little community washroom or whatever, and, you know, put quarters in the machine, you know, I had to do all that. So it was really nice to be able to do all that stuff to run errands and just do what I needed to do while everybody else is at work. And, you know, there's no traffic. It it was, it was still nice. So that's why I said, you just kind of have to work with what you've got. And I, and I was still able to have kind of a social life too during that time. So it wasn't all that bad. Looking back, is there anything you wish you had done differently in your career? Hmm. Outside of that broadcast meteorologist class, there isn't really a whole lot. And I can't even really bring up that that one class just because that wasn't really my choice where the the gentleman, the professor, he didn't he didn't want to teach it because he only offered it. I think it was only like every like year and a half or something, something crazy like that. Oh, that's too bad for, you know, for students who are interested in that. That was their only opportunity to, to learn about broadcast meteorology. Yeah. And it kind of sucked for everybody else. Cause some of my classmates, like they really wanted to take that class and, and they never could. But outside of that, there isn't really a, a whole lot that I kind of wish I would have done, you know, other than like studying a little bit more, mm-hmm. you know, getting better grades. Um, and I say that because being a public figure and being in the public eye, when I got my first job, I was in my my uh, my late twenties. I was close close to my late twenties. I think I was about twenty seven. Mm-hmm. So a lot of my coworkers, they were just out of school. You know, they were twenty one, twenty two years old. And even though I only had like five years on them, that's still five years where I was able to make stupid mistakes without kind of being that person yeah. or being in the public eye, mm-hmm. you know, not that I was a, a problem child or I was always looking for trouble. It wasn't like that. It, you know, that's just the way life goes. You know, you, you make mistakes. So I was, I was kind of glad and relieved that some, some of my mistakes, I was able to make them not, not like in private, like nobody saw me do this, <laughs> but you, you know what I mean? Just yeah, yeah. without a, a lot of f- kind of fingers being pointed at me. So mm-hmm. there is a piece of me that says, man, I wish it got, I would have done this a little bit earlier, but then it's like, you know what? At the end of the day, I probably wasn't ready. I'm, I'm glad I'm doing it now and everything worked out. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's all right. So I know you're a certified broadcast meteorologist or CBM. Are there any other professional development opportunities that you think are beneficial or that you've pursued? 
the um, what is it through the uh, the Comet program, the uh, Met Ed modules. Oh yeah, yeah. Out outside because of course we all use those to kind of study for the the CBM exam. But even outside of that, that is what kind of helped keep me somewhat sharp. Mm-hmm. Those six years that I was working at Walmart. And a lot of my coworkers, they, I mean, they can vouch for me. I was going into work every day with a textbook. Mm-hmm. I mean, my mesoscale meteorology textbook, like that thick black one, I was, I was on break on my lunch, always, always reading that. Wow. Always. So between reading and those met ed modules, those, those kind of help keep me going. Mm-hmm. Those played a big part. Ronell, we always ask our guests one last fun question at the end of each podcast. Who is your favorite musical artist? Uh, that's, I was trying to go back and forth a little bit, but I'm, I'm going to just go ahead and go with uh, J. Cole. Mm. And mainly because, and for anybody that's listening, if they don't know who that is, I know a lot of people know who he is, but he, he's a rapper. Mm. But I kind of watched him. He's, he's one of those rappers who I kind of I felt like I was kind of growing up with. Uh-huh. And I say that because when I was I think I was in my late teens, early 20s, when he first started coming out with some mixtapes. And then, you know, he started coming out with albums. But you, you listen to those artists where as they progress, you can hear them. You can hear the maturity. Right. You can kind of hear them growing up. Mm-hmm. And I think we're around the same age. I think he's like 33, 34, yeah. something like that. So. That's why I said, like, listening to him and listening to the, the stuff that he's saying, it's like I was going through a lot of the, the same things. So I, I thought that was kind of cool. And that's that's why he's one of my favorites. Nice. Yeah, I feel like that could be really valuable to, like, find an artist that's expressing things that you're also going through. Yeah. Uh, well, thanks so much for joining us, Ronell, and sharing your work experiences with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you very much. That's our show for today. Please join us next time. Rain or shine.